And that morning, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time, and every single one was on a different station. And one is saying, you're stuck here forever. I know you want to leave, but number one, you got lucky to get this opportunity. Number two, you'll never make this kind of money again. Do not screw this up. What are your friends going to say? What is your family going to say? Do you really think you're going to be a successful podcaster? That's quite a plan B. It's quite a fallback plan. And in that moment, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I am so happy you're here with me today. Today, we are talking about happiness and how we rise from rock bottom moments to live a happy and fulfilled life. It seems like this is a super popular topic right now. Almost every podcast interview I've done lately, this has come up in some form or another. Everybody is searching for happiness and meaning and fulfillment. And I don't know if that's because We spent the last two, three years in this weird lockdown pandemic situation, and although most of us are starting to get back to a pretty normal life, there's just like, I feel like we were just really kind of damaged through it. It changed us in some ways. And so I know that happiness is something that we all strive for, even if we aren't making this conscious effort, maybe if we don't even know that we're looking for happiness, it's still like this need that everybody has. And sometimes it's hard just because we live in a world full of distractions and obligations. But the truth is, happiness comes from within. There is nothing that other people can do to make you happy. It's up to each of us to cultivate our own joy and our own sense of well-being. This past year, I've spent a lot of time thinking about who I am who I want to become, what my dreams and values are. And when I felt that life is unfair or when I've wanted to pout, one of the tools that I use is my journal. Now, we've shared for years on the podcast that I use my journal as a personal highlight reel. We've talked before about how it's something I used with runners to track not just their achievements and how their training went, but also to track how their mood is, how they're feeling, how what their goals are, um, use it as a highlight reel so that in that week before a race, when you're feeling insecure, you can go back and go, oh, I did my training. Look at all these great notes I've written to myself. And so I use the journal a lot like that. I can go back at any time and go, oh yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that is important to me still. And so I recommend that as a tool for trying to help create more happiness for yourself. It's also a way that I remember the good times and I bring myself back to a place of being grateful for everything I've done in my life. One of the other things I've started doing this past year is writing down at the end of every week the highlights for that week. And I do it month by month so that at the end of each month I can go back and say, hey, I did some pretty cool stuff this month. And some months I have to try a little bit harder to come up with what my highlights would be. It might be more 
related to relationships or personal development, not something that's really photo worthy. But other months, you know, I have trips and lots of things with family and friends. And, you know, those are more photo worthy highlights like what you would see on Instagram. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I track all of that in my journal. Another thing that I'm super into right now is I use my journal to create bucket lists or as I like to call them, dream life lists. And these help me focus on the future that I am creating for myself. You already know that exercise is a big one for me. And so a quick run on a sunny day or a slow walk exploring the trails with my dogs will really pump me up. And then also I try to focus on strengthening connections with friends. We need people in our lives. We need friends in our lives. Community is one of the biggest predictors of longevity. And that is another thing that keeps coming up in episode after episode with all the different people that I've been interviewing. No matter how hard life may seem at times, remember there are always ways to boost your happiness levels during difficult periods. And today, I am talking with Kevin Palmieri about his rock bottom moment and how he rose through that time frame to ultimately live a happy and fulfilled life. Kevin is the CFO, founder, and co-host of Next Level University, which is a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with more than 1,200 episodes and 700,000 listens in over 140 countries. He says, some people find rock bottom. I found out that rock bottom had a basement. I really enjoyed my conversation with Kevin, and I know you will too. So, Here's Kevin. Welcome to the show, Kevin. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Likewise. We had a little a little conversation behind the scenes there. It was wonderful, so I'm sure this will be wonderful as well. Yeah, so we're going to jump right in with the tough questions. Tell me about your rock bottom moment. Uh, yes. When I was 25, I found what I thought was success. And at the time, I had a high-paying job. I had the body of my dreams. I just want a bodybuilding show. Uh, sports car. My girlfriend was a model. Like from the outside looking in, I had it all. But I was very insecure. I was not very confident. I didn't feel like I had purpose. I wasn't excited for my future, and I was very scarce. I think that's probably the best the best word to use. And one day, my girlfriend at the time came to me, and she said, "Kev, I want to move from New Hampshire to California, and I want to chase my dreams. I have these goals. I have these aspirations." I want to get after it. And I gave her every reason in the world why she shouldn't do it. I was so afraid of being left behind, of failing, of looking bad. I just, I couldn't support her in that. I didn't know how to do it. So she ended up leaving me as she should have. And she moved across the country and she chased her dreams. And when she left, it was kind of this perfect storm of circumstance where my job got slow. I I was all emotionally messed up from my bodybuilding show. My hormones were all over the place. I'm mm. overeating. I was brutal. It was brutal. And I'm really questioning who am I as a man and how could anybody ever love this version of Kevin? Mm. That was a challenge. So that was my initial rock bottom. I managed to get out of it. And the way I got out of it was I started saying positive affirmations. Okay. I would say, I am handsome. I'm talented. I'm worthy. I'm intelligent. And this year, Kim, this year, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. That's the one I focused on. So that next year starts, I got a promotion at my job. I was in the weatherization industry. So 
we would go into buildings, usually state-owned buildings, and we would make them more energy efficient. That was my okay. job in a nutshell. Since I worked on state contracts, I was making anywhere from $60 to $120 an hour. Here I am thinking, okay, cool. We're off to a strong start. My goal is to make as much money as possible. So if you fast forward to the end of that year, I had been on the road for 10 months out of the 12 months. Every single week, a different state, a different time, a different schedule, a different job. But I was making good money, so I didn't care. So I opened up my final pay stub of the year. I made $100,000 at 26, no college degree. Again, a very, uh, a very tough piece of awareness when you realize that isn't exactly quote unquote success. So when I opened my pay stub, I didn't feel any different. I was still insecure. I was still scarce, even though I should have been abundant. I still was not a fulfilled human being who had confidence and security. So I realized in that moment that for most of my life, I'd lived unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I said, I'm going to start a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. That's what I'm going to oh. do. So I start this podcast. I fall in love with podcasting as I'm falling out of love with my job. I've already reached the summit. I don't want to do it again. I want to do something different. So I start calling out of work. I start showing up late. I start leaving the job site early. All with the undertone of, I don't really think this podcast thing is going to actually happen, but I like doing it. So that's all I know at this point. And I was starting to take a turn with my mental health because I was getting depressed from all the travel. My physical health wasn't great because I'm staying up for 24 hours routinely. And it just kept getting worse, but I just felt stuck. I didn't, I didn't know how to leave something that had so much to do with my identity. Right, My identity became my job and how much money I made. It all came to a head in a hotel room in New Jersey. I woke up at 5.15. My alarm clock went off, sat up, slid to the edge of the bed as I did every other day when I was on the road. And that morning, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every single one was on a different station. And one is saying you're stuck here forever. I know you want to leave, but number one, you got lucky to get this opportunity. Number two, you'll never make this kind of money again. Do not screw this up. The second thing was, if you do work up the courage to leave, what are your friends going to say? They all look up to you and you make a lot of money. What is your family going to say? Your family really looks up to you and they're very proud of you. And the third or the, the last thing really was, do you really think you're going to be a successful podcaster? You know, that's, that's quite a plan B. It's quite a fallback plan is I'm going to have a successful podcast. And in that moment, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. Now, here I am six hours away from anybody who cares about me in a crusty hotel room in the middle of New Jersey, and I'm having these thoughts and these feelings. And I messaged one of my friends who is now my business partner and the CEO of our company. And I said, Alan, I'm struggling, brother. I'm having these thoughts. I'm having these feelings. I'm having these emotions. I, I don't know what to do. Like, what am I supposed to do, man? And he said many things, but the thing that really stood out was over the last year, the last couple of years, your awareness has changed a lot, but your environments have stayed the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and then beginning the journey of a very broke entrepreneur slash podcaster trying to figure out how to do this. But that was five years ago. And here we are 1200 episodes later and now we do an episode every day, and that's my job now, which is weird to say. Wow. So many amazing things that you said just in that. We, I mean, we could talk for hours about just what you just said. But 
thinking about, I love this idea. Can we dig into this idea a little bit more about people making their identity mm. their job? Yeah. Like we have a client who says you should be human first. We should strive to be human first. And then our identity isn't all about, oh, I'm an athlete. Oh, I'm a whatever. I'm a millionaire, whatever. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting. I think for many of us, we we adopt the identity that serves us in the moment. And then when we repeatedly adopt the identity that serves us in the moment, that becomes our kind of our permanent identity. And I don't mean you can't change it, but that's kind of what happens. It's almost like what you get reinforced for kind of becomes your identity. Mm -hmm. I remember at that time I was, I was single. And when I would meet women, the conversation of like, what do you do for work always came up. And I always talked about, I was like, yeah, this is what I do. You know, this is how much money I make. That felt good. It felt Mm -hmm. like that level of significance. I had a really nice car. It was loud and it was fast. That brought me a level of significance. So I was somebody who was longing for significance and I attached myself with my identity to anything that did. And I think for a lot of us, it, it can go a couple ways, right? I think a lot of us, the, the way we're living our life today is based on an old identity. It's who we used to be, not who we want to be. And there's a big difference. So when I'm talking to somebody, I always say, I think there's three identities. There's old you, current you, and new you. What is the old you? What, what was your identity five years ago? What's your identity today? And what must your identity look like in order for you to become the type of person that you want to become? And here's the question. What are you closest to? Are you closer to the future or are you closer to the past? Because you might be making more progress than you than you realize. So I think we just have to understand that for many of us, we attach ourselves to the things that solve our human needs. For me, it was significance. I wanted to feel significant. And I became all the things that brought me significance. When you now, for me, it's more of like purpose and contribution. My identity is still very much attached to the podcast. I won't say it is. And I, if somebody, you know, you get that question all the time. If I was to take away the podcast, what would you do? Good luck taking it away. And I'd start another podcast under a new name or something. I don't know. Right. This is who I am. This is, you know, so it's almost, I don't necessarily know if it's bad that your identity at times is a reflection of what you do. As long as what you do, you also want to be a reflection of who you are. Well, and I think that there's a lot to be said too for I think you know that maybe you're veering off that path when you get to the point where you hit that milestone, that thing you've always wanted to, and you don't get that sense of, oh my gosh, I finally did it. Like, it's yeah. just empty. Yeah. Well, it's easy to to see somebody else accomplish something and imagine what that would feel like for you. The problem is the, there's a big difference between your internal state and your external state. So a lot of us are thinking, if I get to a level where my external state resembles blank, my internal state will also resemble blank. But that's not how it works for most of us. For most of us, you have to start from the inside out. And I think that's why for a lot of people, they almost get sad when they become very successful because it doesn't fix the problem that they thought it would. And then you have to go back to the drawing board, right? When I opened that final pay stub, I expected to feel a lot different than I did. And it was a lot of awareness all at once of, oh, yeah, you're going to have to do this work yourself. The paycheck is going to fix the inner stuff. Oh, interesting. And I think a lot of us come across that. And that can be very, it can be very debilitating to get that 
it's like, okay, now, now I have to go back to the drawing board. I've looked and I found all these keys that I thought would open this door. And this was the last key. This was the biggest key, the shiniest one. That didn't do it either. Oh my goodness. You know, so I think that's part of it. And that's why, that's why coming up with your own unique version of success is so important because you can see somebody else winning on social media, but it doesn't mean they're fulfilled. There's a drastic difference between happiness and fulfillment. Fulfillment is very hard to recognize unless you're filled. Happiness is very easy to fake or to, to set up, right? I mean, you can, you can set up what looks like happiness. Take a picture in front of a nice car. It, yeah, you look happy, but it does not necessarily mean that you're fulfilled. And those are just very different pieces to life. Well, and I think about like Robin Williams is a good example of that. Everybody thought he was a happy person. He was the joker and nobody knew what was going on inside. So yeah, you can fake, fake happiness. And I also don't want to gloss over what you said a few minutes ago, talking about the night you almost took your life or the day you almost took your life. And you're talking to this friend of yours. I think that's so important to, you should have a plan. You should have a, Something because we all hit those rock bottom moments. And how do you dig yourself out of that? What did so what happened there for you? Yeah, it's I really think the biggest thing was I felt safe to be vulnerable. I mean, I really think that was the crux of it is I believe that your relationships, the quality of your relationships is directly correlated with the level of vulnerability in them. And I had enough safety and I had enough comfort to just tell the truth to somebody. And I think that's one of the reasons it gets it can get challenging is if we don't have those friendships or those family members or those loved ones that we can share with. So for me, I I thought to myself, I feel like I have a problem. Who is somebody that I feel safe sharing this problem with? And that really was that was really it. And this is the other thing. Two things. One, I trusted his judgment at a very high level. I looked up to him. Number 2, he gave me really good advice mm-hmm. where if I reached out to somebody, they might have said, well, Kev, I mean, Kev, nobody really likes their job. You know, it's, you're not really supposed to like your job. You got to pay the bills. You're making all this money. Why don't you just give it till Monday and see what happens? That might have been, that was a completely different story. So I reached out to somebody who I trusted, who I felt had merit to give me advice in that moment. Now, I understand circumstantially that might not be what we all have. But I do think planning for a low moment when you're feeling high is always a, it's always a good plan because it's very hard to, I mean, it's hard to, to create a, a plan if the building or if the boat is sinking, you got to have a, a plan long before that. And, and it's hard too, because it's kind of invisible. You know, it, when somebody breaks a leg, you can see it, but you don't really know how somebody is feeling internally. And the other interesting thing, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, no, I was at a, a podcast event and I said, I think that we go for like annual checkups Like nothing has to be wrong for you to go talk to somebody. That's the other thing too, is I think if we were as a society more open and we are, I think we are getting there, which is awesome. But like, what if we had, you know, you have yearly physicals and you have yearly mentals where you mm-hmm. go in and you talk to somebody about, Hey, how's your, how's your stress level been? How's your, have you felt anxious? You know, if we had those conversations, I just think it would give people more opportunity to talk about what's real. It's very hard to talk about what's real for the first time. That's it. Going from 
from, you know, not talking about it to talk about it is a challenge. But I think as you talk about it, it does get a little bit more normal. So I think that that's especially difficult for men to be vulnerable because, you know, you're taught don't cry. I know my my daughters, even the, my youngest one, the first time she saw a boyfriend cry, she's like, I don't know what to do with this. Mm. And so we have these conversations. Well, you know what? It's okay for boys and men to cry, even though society has told them not to. But what tips do you have for just helping yourself open up? What do we need to do to either make the men in, make it easier for the men in our lives to open up or for men? I mean, what what needs to happen there to make this easier? One of the things I've always said, and it's kind of funny, but it it really is serious. If you want to improve an intimate relationship, you should most likely be more vulnerable. Because I've had, I've had, my wife has said, like, there's nothing more sexy than you when you're vulnerable. So that's mm-hmm. like a little, that's like a little ego reason of, hey, if you want to have a, a better intimate relationship, that's one way. For me, it's kind of rewording the fact that people say, well, vulnerability makes you weak. It's like, all right. Isn't vulnerability hard? Yes. How can something hard that you're struggling to do make you weak? It's not, it, it's not easy to be vulnerable. It's very challenging. So that actually denotes strength. So my thought process around that is very much you have to create some sort of level of psychological safety. Mm-hmm. So if, if you, somebody's got to lead the charge, basically. If you want somebody to be more vulnerable, oftentimes opening up with your own level of vulnerability at least creates a bridge of trust where if I tell you something about me, maybe you'll feel a little bit more safe to tell me something about yourself. I think sharing traumas and triggers with people is super important because that's going to control, I mean, that's going to control the way you talk to that person, what you do, what you don't do. Are you looking to build a business and live life on your own terms? Look no further than the Digital Dreamer podcast. Join my daughter, Abby, and I as we discuss side hustles, building your brand, digital strategies for connecting with your audience, and selling digital products, and so much more. Get the link in the show notes or search the Digital Dreamer podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to take control of your future. I had a relationship when I was in my early 20s where I was um, not cheated on, but emotionally cheated on. And my girlfriend at the time was talking to a bunch of other people. And after that, I I started noticing I had a trigger that anytime my any of my partner's phones were turned over face down, I would get really triggered. And when my wife and I started dating, I told her that. I said, hey, can you, I said, and this is how I prefaced it. I know this might sound dumb. I know this might sound weird. Like, can I just share this with you? When your phone is flipped upside down, I get triggered. Here's why. But that was based on the fact that I felt safe. And I also felt that, and here's an important piece. I felt that it would be worth it to share that. I felt that I would be rewarded for that honesty and that vulnerability. So it's very important to make sure that you are creating a safe environment for somebody to to feel vulnerable. And you never, ever, 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 ever break rapport when somebody is vulnerable. All I mean is if somebody shares something with you, you don't laugh, right? Like you have to understand what is about to happen is sacred. And if things go off the rails here for a second, this portal of vulnerability might get closed forever and it may never open up again. So I think it's a lot of things when it comes to just intentional, effective communication. 
but it's creating a place of physical and psychological safety first. Yeah, I think that's all really great advice. What do you think about people who maybe didn't grow up in a home where this type of communication has been modeled for them? Like maybe maybe they don't even know that this is a thing, that this is how people interact because they've never experienced it. What's the starting point for somebody like that? Yeah, I think it's reflecting it's reflecting on the past. Because here's the thing, and we we've had many psychotherapists or counselors or therapists or whatever it may be on the podcast. And I always say, how do you know? And I know there's no answer. How do you know if your normal's normal? And I oh, like asking, question. Yeah. Right, I like asking that question because there is no such thing as normal. So I think number one, you have to start by reflecting, hopefully, at this point in your life. This is kind of the way it works. You'll probably have the highest awareness you ever have because you're the most evolved version of yourself you've ever been. So when you reflect on things based on new experiences, based on new perspective, new input, things will jump off the page as, wait, that wasn't, that's not how your experience was? Interesting. So for me, I grew up raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. Now I realize how much that has shaped me, but I didn't always until I started looking at other signs of, okay, interesting. It affected me in this way. It affected me in that way. So I think, I think you've got to look back into the past and you have to try to relive certain experiences, certain circumstances through your new level of awareness, because I think it's going to give you new answers. And here's the other thing. What, what would be an ideal outcome? What would be an ideal emotion? What would be an ideal resolution for where you want your life to, to go? So just because you've never experienced something does not mean you cannot aspire to have that. So I think it's that. It's looking in the past, taking what you can from there, and then saying, okay, how do I now change what I deem as normal through my current actions for my future? Okay, I like that. So another thing that you mentioned earlier that I know you also teach on is helping people find their purpose. Mm. Give us an overview. How do we find our purpose? Everybody wants to know what they're meant to do. Yeah, it is a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. So I always start with, there's a few questions you can ask yourself. And again, are any of these going to be the answer for you? They might not be, but something might break something free that might break something free that might lead you to it eventually. So one of the questions you can ask is, what is something you are super focused on that you know a ton about that you do not think gets the credit it deserves? So it could be, you know, at one point somebody was like, hey, the earth is warming up more than it should. We should really start talking about this. Or, you know, pollution is the highest it's ever been. Somebody knows first, and then they make that part of their mission or their purpose to, to let other people know. So it could be something like that. Another great question is, what is something that just makes you so incredibly sad that you cannot focus on anything else when you see it? If you go to the beach, well, here's a, here's a good example. My business partner's girlfriend went to see the Great Barrier Reefs. And she said the Great Barrier Reefs is kind of like the Great Barrier Cemetery. There's not a lot of reefs yet. A lot of them are dead and it's not what you see on TV and it's different than I expected. Her purpose shifted more to, I'm going to make sure that I leave this planet better than I found it. And she recycles everything and she picks up trash and she's very, very focused on sustainability. So it made her so sad that she said, I'm going to try to do something about this. So that's another question. This is one of my favorite ones because it was very true for me. What would I find you talking about on a Friday night with the people closest to you? Mm. 
I like talking about deep stuff. And that's what I talk about all the time. I talk about deep stuff. So there are some questions that you can ask yourself there. The One of my other favorite questions is, if I gave you a billion dollars and you had to do something every day in the service of others, what would it be? Because often people say, I'd sip, I just sip margaritas on the beach. It's like, okay, I understand that, but that would get very- That would get boring. Yeah, you're going to get sunburned and hungover. You're not going to want to do that forever. But if it had to be in the service of others, what would you do? And then from just a practical standpoint, I believe that for most of us, we've already lived our purpose in some way, shape, or form. We just don't realize it. So I suggest people look back. When, when were you the most fulfilled you've ever been? When did you have a moment where you said, it would be really nice if I could blink? Because I think a lot of us assume we have to go out and find our purpose. When many of us understand more than we think our purpose, we just haven't found the vehicle yet. There's a big difference between identifying a purpose and identifying a vehicle. Your purpose might be you know, to make the world a better place in insert specific way. Your vehicle, you might not know, is a podcast, a YouTube channel, a coaching business, a teaching position, being a doctor, philanthropist, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. That, for me, is where I think a lot of people get stuck. We have an idea of our purpose, I think, more than we give ourselves credit to. But until we find a what seems like potential vehicle, it's almost completely cut off. You've heard, I mean, you're, I'm sure you've heard many people say, yeah, but if only I can make money doing that. It's like, okay, is that your purpose? Yeah, maybe. It's never going to be your purpose until you start treating it like that and you start getting the ball rolling. You're not going to make money in the beginning, but it doesn't mean it's not your purpose. So yeah, I would say reflecting in the past is a very powerful way. I guess that's kind of my, my blanket statement answer of the day. And then you also talk about relationships and community. We talked a little bit already about why relationships are more are important to us. But can you touch on the community part a little bit? Like yep. why is having this community that you can depend on an important part of success? I mean, at the end of the day, the reasons we do things and the reasons we don't do things is drastically affected by the people we surround ourselves with. I, I read something recently, it blew my mind. I was uh, YouTube something because we were going to do an episode on public accountability. Like public accountability is huge, right? It's very important. I watched a YouTube video and it said, this is why you shouldn't tell people your goals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way this is real. Like this must be like a clickbait video or something. And there were like five reasons. I don't remember all of them exactly. But one of the things was, if you tell your friends your goals, they'll take them from you. They'll steal them. It's like, okay, I don't know why anybody would want to steal my goals and my ideas, but okay. Number two, people will always be pressuring you to make sure you're making progress. It's like, I think at times that's a positive part of accountability. Number three, people are going to make fun of you when you fail. Interesting. Number four, people are going to judge you along the way. And I think there were a couple other ones. What jumped off the page to me was the only way those are actually going to happen is if you're surrounded by negative people. That's really what jumped off the page. Like That's more a representation of your friend group than it is you (laughs) setting goals publicly. So. This is why. This is my question for people. Are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? A lot of us are in friendships with people that we used to be friends with because we used to go to college together. We used to go to parties together. We used to go to the same school, whatever it may be. The reason it's so important to realign with people who are similar to you is because you can actually be yourself. If you want to find your people, you have to be yourself. And if it's hard for you to be yourself around the people you're surrounding yourself with, 
you're you're not going to have great relationships. They're not going to be fulfilling. They're not going to be focused on growth. And ultimately, you're never going to feel seen because you're never going to be yourself. So not only is it important because that those are the people who are influencing you, it's super important because if you don't feel like you can authentically be you, you're, you're going to be in a very interesting place. And my business partner says this, and this is interesting. He says, how many of you in here post something different on Instagram than you, you never would post it on Facebook because your family's there? And just a show of hands go up because yeah. a lot of us are afraid of that judgment of the people that we care about and that care about us. So that's another question to have is, are they judging negatively? That's why it's so important. Those are the people that you're going to spend the most time with. If, if it's not a positive relationship, it's holding you back more than you realize. I also like the thought of, am I doing this because it's something that I really like? at this point in my life, the person I am now versus am I doing this because this is what everybody else has told me I am and who I need to be. And, and this is what I need to be to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, those are like paradigm shifting questions where it's like, interesting. Now that I, I have the awareness to ask that question, I got to give some sort of answer. Mm -hmm. But the hard part is sometimes the answers we give are painful. I always preface that when I, I say this at speeches, like, Hey, you might not like me after I ask this question, but just you don't have to do anything with it. Just know it's there. And then I say, are the people in your life the best from your past or your future? You know, I ask that question. I think it's a great question to ask yourself. And just based on the fact that I've been on both sides of that, my girlfriend should have left me. I wasn't what was best for her future, right? But I've also moved on from friendships that I realized, oh, interesting. I sh if I have to preface, hey, this is my friend. He's kind of mean. He's going to make jokes about you because he thinks he's funny. He's going to kind of disrespect you. If I have to preface that, that's probably not somebody I should have in my friend group, right? So right. it happens on both ends. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned that you have a podcast. I mm -hmm. think you actually have two podcasts, right? I do. Yes. <laughs> okay. So tell us what your podcast about and why is this such a meaningful part of your life now? Yeah. So uh, we have a podcast called Next Level University. And believe it or not, we speak primarily to women. As a tattooed bodybuilder, you might guess that that's not the case, but it just is. It's for me, I believe at a deep level that if I had self-improvement in my life when I was younger, things would be different. Now, I'm, I'm grateful they're not because I wouldn't be where I am. But that's our ultimate goal is to serve a community, not from a place of ego. I think when it comes to self-improvement, there's a lot of places you can go, but not everybody is talking about life, love, health, and wealth and how they all connect. I want to be vulnerable. It's very important that I am. I want to be authentic. So it's so important because many of the, unfortunately, many of the humans in our community have been hurt by toxic masculinity. And it's very important for us not to be that. And that's something we hold as a very heavy responsibility. And we try to get a little bit better at being inclusive and being supportive and just saying, look, I don't know what it's like to live through your experience, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that I share my story and my perspective to help you get a little bit better and feel safe in the, in the process. If you don't feel safe, it's very hard to, to feel certain. And that's one of our goals. Now I have a few more questions for you, but I want to ask while we're on this topic, tell people about the course you have. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's we sat down and we were like, hey, we're going to record this paid course. And Alan, my business partner was like, yeah, we should give it away for free. And I was like, all right, whatever. We're going to give it away for free. 
So we sat down in the studio and it's like an hour and a half, I think. It's, it's a lot of content. But we sat down and said, what are the most important things? Five most important things that somebody who is in self-improvement either needs a reminder of or they just need to be made aware to. And we created a course called The Next Level 5 to Thrive, totally free. It's a lot. I mean, it's a pretty heavy course, all things considered. So yeah, that's on our website. You can check it out. Again, it's totally free, not asking for money. All right. And what is one thing, or you can give me a couple things, that just some thoughts that you want to leave the audience with today? Mm, I would say, number one, from day to day, progress is invisible. But from year to year, progress is impossible to miss. I think that's just a great perspective to have where I did some podcasts yesterday and I did some podcasts today and I I'm pretty much the same. But the shows I did three years ago, I'm much better than I I am, you know, I'm, I'm much better now than I was then. So I think that's super important. And then I just think, try to think of life from a perspective of how can I be more fulfilled? I think that's just a great question to ask yourself because oftentimes, you know, you don't want to get up and go to the gym, but you're always grateful you did. Okay, that's interesting. Or you don't want to have the vulnerable conversation, but you're always thankful you did after. Okay, that's interesting. That's an indication of fulfillment. So I think just follow that more and, and see where that leads you. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was My great pleasure. talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Are you looking for gifts that express how you feel or a gift that makes somebody smile? Look no further than Expressions by Iris. Our Etsy store has something for everyone. From St. Patrick's Day to Mardi Gras, from teachers to nurses and theater families, there's something for everyone. And with our constantly growing selection, you can find the perfect item for any occasion. Show them how much you care with Expressions by Iris. Find us on Instagram and get the direct link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me for Season 4 of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore. <laughs>